May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. It's good to hear that voice again here at Christ the King. <laughs> now, she'll be back on the 9th of January to celebrate a birthday. 9-0. We'll get to sing. That's right. You get to read again. Yay. Shirley said, I always want to be, I, I wanted to be serving on, when I was 90, so you're going to get to do it. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about this reading from the Gospel of John, which is the traditional Christmas Day reading and the Sunday after Christmas. Big idea, again, is at Christmas, God became a man to save us from our sins. And this, this is John's Christmas story. These verses that Shirley just read are John's Christmas story. We're always thinking of Luke and Matthew, and John is very theological, so he's got this thing wrapped up in a whole different way. Now, somebody sent me this. This is called the Bible in 50 words. 50 words. God made Adam bit, Noah arced, Abraham split, Jacob fooled, Joseph ruled. Bush talked, Moses balked. Pharaoh plagued, people walked. Sea divided, tablets guided. Promise landed, Saul freaked, David peaked. Prophets warned, Jesus born. God walked, love talked. Anger crucified, hope died. Love rose. Spirit flamed, word spread, God remained. Let me just do that last piece again because that's why we're here today. Jesus born, God walked, love talked, anger crucified, hope died. Love rose, spirit flamed, word spread, God remained. Still trying to figure out what Saul freaked meant, but I'm not, I don't know. That's the gospel, that last that last piece, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Kind of, if, if you look at that Bible in 50 words, if you've been here for an Easter sermon, you know we kind of walked through the whole Bible from 80,000 feet on that day, similar to that. Now, verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. Christ is in the world. He made the world. But so many of the world... Don't recognize him. And I think it's still true today that so many people just don't have no clue. They may know the name, but they know nothing of him. They have no relationship with him. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, a man on the street that go around and ask questions about, you know, who did we fight in World War II or questions about history. And sometimes you'll see at this time of year they'll go around and ask questions about Christmas. Who was born at Christmas? And they get a blank stare. Why do we celebrate Christmas? You get a blank stare. Where was Jesus born? Chicago? These are real answers. What are the, the three wise men brought gifts? What did they bring? This is a guy. Sandals, a robe, and soap. Okay. All right. I don't know where you went to Sunday school, but... 
And it's sad to me that so many people don't have an appreciation of what the gospel is and why we're here today, why we celebrate Christmas. It says Christ was rejected by his own, and yet Moses said he's coming. David, Isaiah, Micah, Zechariah, Malachi, all said that God was going to send the Messiah. They were waiting, and they were waiting, and they were waiting, and finally he arrives, and they're not quite sure who he is. In verse, verses 11 to 15, he came to his own home, and his own people received him not. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of, of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Very powerful three verses. To receive means, the word receive here means to welcome him into your home. Welcome Jesus into your heart. Um, if you think of that verse, the Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and eat with you. And the thing about that picture, there's a very famous picture. There's no, there's no handle on the outside. The only handle is on the inside of the door. You have to open the door of your heart because he's not going to force his way in. He's not going to do that. Believe. Do we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and do I trust him with all my heart? When I was in the Episcopal Church, one of the things I did and uh, served as was the chairman or the president of the standing committee. Every diocese in the Episcopal Church has a standing committee, and they, they advise the bishop, or if there is no bishop, they act in the place of the bishop till there's a new bishop. When you go to seminary in the Episcopal Church, for the first two years you're a postulant, and then your last year you're a candidate. I don't know. Is that like it is where you are? Who knows? So you would come back to the diocese and meet with the standing committee and then get approved by the standing committee, and the standing committee would recommend you to the bishop to become a candidate for your third year of seminary. So when people would come in like that, everybody on the standing committee had like, and there were maybe six of us, I think. Everybody had one question, and I had one question that I always asked the same question, a very theological question, it's very deep. And it would be a real test of two years of theological education. I wanted to see if they cut the mustard. My question was, who is Jesus? <sighs> Should have seen the looks on their faces. And it looked like, here's what was having, going through their head. What does he want to hear? What does he want me to say? Who does he think Jesus is? Because I just want to get the right answer for him. No, don't get the right answer for me. Just get the right answer. And it was interesting, some of those responses that you would get from somebody who had two years of theological education, depending on where they had gotten that theological education. But somehow it worked out. Power. Power here means you're granted a right. It's the honor of becoming a child of God. 
not everyone is a child of God. It may come as a shock to you. We're all made in the image of God. We're all made in the image of God, but we're not all children of God. Children of God are people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Those are the children of God. Not of blood, meaning salvation is not generational. Your grandmother's faith will not save you. Your mother's faith will not save you. My father's faith will not save me. I can't save my grandkids. It's personal. It's one-on-one. Not by the will of the flesh. Nothing I can do to save myself. Every other faith tradition in the history of the world is based on works righteousness. Have I followed the rules? Have I done enough? Have I done the right things? Have I got enough points to make myself acceptable to whatever deity I'm dealing with? Christianity is not like that because there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. Not by the will of man. I can't do it. Born of God. Salvation is a free gift of God. That doesn't make a lot of sense to people, but it's true. In verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. We have beheld His glory. The Word became flesh. The translation of that is, God pitched His tent. When it says it dwelt among us, means He pitched His tent among us. Who lives in a tent? Shepherds live in a tent. Travelers live in a tent. Soldiers live in a tent. Common, everyday people live in tents. This is who Jesus came to. This is why he's born in a manger, not in a palace. It's the everyday people that he's looking for. And then it it spreads out from there. I love the fact that when Paul was uh, in prison, in Rome. He was being guarded by Roman soldiers who had access to the Caesar's household. And they would share the gospel with members of Caesar's household, and Caesar's household had believers in Jesus Christ. Not because they had direct access access to Paul, but because Paul had spread that word. It's for everyone. But he starts with common people. Grace and truth. It's a debt we can't pay. Harry Ironside liked to tell a story about Tsar Nicholas I of Russia. It seems that the Tsar had a good friend who asked him to provide a job for his son. This the Tsar did, appointing the son as paymaster for a barracks in the Russian army. However, it turned out that the son was morally weak and soon gambled away nearly all the money entrusted to him. When the word came that the auditors were going to examine his accounts, the young man despaired, knowing that he would, was certain to be found out. He calculated the amount he owed, and the total came to a huge debt, far greater than he could ever pay. He determined that night before the auditors arrived, he would take his gun and commit suicide at midnight. Before going to bed, he wrote out a full confession 
listing all that he had stolen and writing underneath it these words, a great debt, who can pay? And then he fell asleep, weary from his exertions. Late that night, the czar himself paid a surprise visit to the barracks, as was his occasional custom. Seeing a light on, he peeked into the room and found the young man asleep with a letter of confession next to him. He read the letter and instantly understood what had happened. He paused for a moment, considering what punishment to impose, and then he bent over, wrote the word on the, one word on the paper, and left. Eventually, the young man woke up, realizing he had slept past midnight. Taking his gun, he prepared to kill himself when he noticed that someone had written something on the paper. Under the, his words, a great debt who can pay, he saw one word, Nicholas. He was dumbfounded and then terrified when he realized that someone knew what he had done. Checking his records, he found that the signature was genuine. Finally, the thought settled in his mind that the czar knew the whole story and was willing to pay the debt himself. Resting on the words of, the, of his commander-in-chief, he fell asleep. In the morning, a messenger came from the palace with the exact amount the young man owed. Only the czar could pay, and the czar did pay. Only Jesus could pay our debt to God. That and that alone explains why the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He pitched his tent with us for 33 years that he might pay in his own blood, the debt we owed because of our sin. We stand this morning precisely where that young man did. When we look at our sins and realize our helpless condition, we say, a great debt, who can pay? Then the Lord Jesus Christ steps forward and signs his name to our ledger, Jesus Christ. Only Jesus could pay, and he does. I need to admit my need. I, I need to realize that I'm not okay. I need to believe the facts about Jesus, who he is, what he came to do. I need to repent of my sins, recognize my condition as a sinner, change my heart, change my mind, turn around and move in another direction. I need to welcome him into my heart as Lord and Savior, and I need to trust him with my life and my future. Every time I do a funeral in the last couple of days I did it at Christmas, I want to do a demonstration of the gospel. It's simple. I'm looking for victims. Dave, come on up. Just stand right there for a second. Adam's just coming out of the womb. Come on up. Good timing. All right, come on up here. All right, Dave, you're going to stand like this. Face this way. Mike, you're going to stand here. Come on, Adam. Right here. Adam, you're here. Look at him. All right. So this is, this is a very simple demonstration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here we have 
the miserable sinner. My friend Dave. All right, we're typecasting here. This is God the Father. When God the Father looks at the miserable sinner directly, he is unrighteous, unholy, and unacceptable. Because he's unrighteous, unholy, and unacceptable. And there's nothing that he can do to make himself right with God on his own. Now, if you're like me at some point, I thought, i got to start doing stuff to make God like me. Hmm. We'll go to church. I'll read my Bible. I'll say my prayers. He says, tithe. I'll give money to the church. God will really like me then. But see, the Bible is very clear. When, when we do things in order to reconcile ourselves with God, it says your good works are like filthy rags in the sight of a holy and righteous God, and they simply drop to your feet. And in the Bible, those filthy rags are menstrual cloths. That's what our good works are like to God if we think they can reconcile us with him. But on the side of everybody's life, everybody here, stands Jesus. Now, when I was 33, the truth of the gospel hit me, became real. And everything that I just said, it happened. I admitted my need. I believed what they told me about Jesus. I repented of my sins, and I welcomed him as Lord and Savior, and I trusted him with my life, and I thanked him for doing for me what I could not do for myself. And I asked him to step between the Father and me like this. So now when the father looks at Dave, he sees him through his son. And he has become holy and righteous and acceptable, not because of anything you did, but because of what Jesus did for you. And now all those things take on a whole new significance because you're not doing them to get God to receive you or like you or be reconciled with you. You're doing them because that's who you are. That's that whole process of sanctification, becoming more and more who God has called us to be, becoming more Christ-like. And it's not to gain brownie points, it's just who we are. And also the good news is that you now are brothers and you can stand side by side in this world. That's the gospel. It's no more complicated than that. It's really very simple, but it's powerful. And I'm telling you, there are two kinds of people in this world. There are the lost who will be separated from God forever, and there are the saved who will be with God forever. And I pray to God that everybody within the sound of my voice is in that second category. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate that. Good job. Let me leave you with this. Lord Jesus, for too long I've kept you out of my life. No longer will I close the door when I hear you knocking. Here and now, I open the door and invite you to come into my heart. I gratefully receive your gift of salvation. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to, to earth. With all my heart, I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead on the third day. Thank you for giving me the gift of eternal life. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my Savior. There is room in my heart for you. Merry Christmas.